From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, and we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host, also here. And Kathy and I are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. Today we're excited to have as our guest Joe D. Dowdy. He's chief of staff at the office of the director at NASA, John F. Kennedy Space Center. So he's going to tell us some of the things about leadership that goes on at NASA. He manages special projects and provides organizational advice to the center director and senior management team to improve the processes and better accomplish Kennedy Space Center's assigned missions. And Kathy, welcome to the call. Thanks, Relly. It's a it's a pleasure today to uh, to bring a new friend to the show, and uh, I know he's going to have some exciting stories to tell us. He is he is a wonderful speaker, orator, and teacher, and I'm I'm just waiting to hear everything he has to say. So I'm going to get through my part pretty quickly here. <laughs> You know, we, we always look at uh, leadership dimensions in many, many ways. And Relly and I know that leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. But most leaders can underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can underperform. But, you know, doing just a few things differently can really make a difference and improve not only your performance as a leader, but your organization's. In every one of our shows, Relly and I really strive to help you develop more leaders in your organization, and we try to bring you information that's usable about what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence, and positive psychology strategies you can use. We like to talk a little bit about brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance and how you can apply those skills. We will be always talking about work-life balance and practices you can use in every show. And sometimes we focus on strategies for managing yourself, managing your boss, and or gender and generation differences, which, as we all know, do impact our leadership style. You know, we are really excited today to uh, to hear from Joe Dowdy, and he's going to talk about some of the tools that NASA uses to help build leaders, and um, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of tools and tips to share. But uh, before we bring him on, really, why don't we share with our audience some of the fact-based information that you and I know about leadership development? Sure. Thanks, Kathy. Well, leadership development news here, we talk about leaders, and the reason is that we know from research that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. We like to say that they are the emotional thermostat for their team because emotions are contagious. And if you want to get someone to be in a star performer, and that's defined as someone in the top 10%, that's the tipping point, one of the key things is their emotional intelligence. If you have techno expertise and IQ and emotional intelligence, Typically, emotional intelligence has a bigger factor in getting them into the top 10%. And why this tipping point of the top 10%? Well, we know that leaders in the top 10% produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. And if you have training, which uh, most organizations have training that helps, and research shows about a 22% boost in productivity, if you add training and coaching, ongoing coaching where they can individualize what they've learned, there's a boost in productivity as high as 88%. And we also know that you can bring uh, coaching networks inside your company in just one day. Some of the research that Kathy's done has shown that studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. And like Kathy says, if we can just do a few things differently, these micro-initiatives can bring about a macro impact. If you're interested in more uh, feedback from Kathy and you want to uh, hire her, her website is www.h2c leadership for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you want more information about me, my website is Dr. Relly Nadler at www.truenorthleadership for emotional intelligence, free tools, 
assessments, but also speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. And so, Kathy, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about our guest today. Oh, it would be my honor. I was fortunate to meet uh, Joe at uh, a Walmart executive program that we were facilitating together as a faculty uh, for the Walmart Executive Education Program uh, recently in Bentonville, Arkansas. And um, as you know, that's Walmart's uh, corporate headquarters. But I think it's also uh, one of Joe's many homes, and he can tell us more about that. But uh, he is a fascinating gentleman, uh, and uh, he, he just took my heart and my mind into a whole nother orbit, and I don't say that um, lightly. Uh, he is the chief of staff uh, at, at the uh, office of the director, NASA's John F. Kennedy Space Center in Florida, and uh, Joe assumed uh, this position in February of 2007. He manages all the special projects and provides organizational advice to the center director, as you said, Relly, and the senior management team to not only improve processes but better accomplish the Kennedy Space Center's assigned missions. Uh, Joe joined NASA after serving 25 years in the United States Marine Corps, and you know my heart is close to those folks, and he capped his military career as a colonel. Uh, during his service in the Marine Corps, uh, Joe served in a variety of staff and command positions. He participated in Operations Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom and contingency operations in Beirut, Lebanon, Panama, Somalia, and East Timor. Joe graduated from the University of Mississippi in 1979, and he earned a Master's of Arts from Webster University and a Master of Arts from the U.S. Army War College in 2001. He now resides in Cocoa Beach, Florida, with his wife, Priscilla, and has three children, John, Betsy, and Jefferson. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, Kathy and uh, Riley, it's uh, wonderful to be here, and uh, and y'all said such uh, kind and, and wonderful things. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, a lot of folks are listening uh, that are friends so that they <laughs> can maybe buy into that, too. But, well, uh, I know for sure it. they'll be your friend by the end of this program. It's hard not to be. <laughs> well, you're you're so kind, but it really is wonderful to be here within your, uh, you know, your passion and and uh, both of y'all's passion for uh, this this you know subject of leadership and and how leadership influences organizations is certainly one that's near and dear to me, and uh, and I bet our time will will fly. I'm sure it will, Joe, and what we want to do is start off, we typically start this way, you got such a unique and powerful experience, we wonder who's been some of the more influential people, thinkers in your life, in your career, and how they've helped shape your thinking, let's say, about leadership or your current work. Well, you know that's a, a wonderful question, and and uh, you know as I as I think through all the the folks who have had influence on me, uh, you know it's uh, continues to this day. I mean, uh, that's one of the great things uh, about this this subject of leadership and and uh, and, and the things that uh, we do to uh, influence folks uh, as we go about our daily walk. And you know, I can think of a number of folks. It goes way back uh, when I was a a kid growing up in uh, Arkansas, my, probably the most influential uh, person in my life was my grandfather, Carthel Haywood, uh, who was a great storyteller, and in his own folksy, Ozark, uh, as I say, hillbilly kind of way, uh, imparted a, a, a tremendous amount of knowledge uh, to me in the form of stories. And, and you know, you can look at history, um, some of the great storytellers, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, Jesus, as, uh, as he told uh, uh, his parables uh, were all in the form of a story. And, of course, in our own history, Abraham Lincoln was a great storyteller, almost in a parable-like fashion. Uh, but as you uh, stated in, in my bio, uh, you know, I spent 25 years in the Marine Corps. Certainly an organization such as the Marine Corps places a very high premium on, on leadership. And, and so I had the, the uh, great honor to serve with folks like... Um, uh, one of the influences, a, a now retired four-star general named Tony Zinni, um, who was uh, his last uh, posting was uh, as the commander of the U.S. Central Command that had uh, responsibility for all the operations in the Middle East. He was my first battalion commander, and I watched him and, and listened to him, and I still recite the lessons uh, um, learned uh, from him uh, to others. 
Another big influence in the Marine Corps was a couple of guys that uh, I served with as a rifle platoon commanders, as brand-new second lieutenant infantry officer. I went to an infantry battalion at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And um, my platoon sergeant was a guy named Sergeant Donald L. Robinson. He was from Flint, Michigan. And um, he was my platoon sergeant. And then his, the next one down is, a, is called Platoon Guide, and it was a sergeant uh, named uh, James L. Johnson. Um, and those two guys, I tell their stories all the time. Some of the, the very important leadership lessons that I learned, I learned very early. It was uh, the late 70s, early 80s. We were just coming out of Vietnam. Uh, we had a little different uh, um, Marine in those days. And um, it took a little different uh, leadership approach, but, but some of the lessons they taught me are universal, and, and I still use them in my leadership philosophy today. Joe, as you're talking about these wonderful leaders in your life, uh, you uh, had an experience that I can resonate with at the U.S. Army War College because I've gone there to do uh, uh, volunteer work during the strategic uh, crisis exercises. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, anything that, that you learned about leadership that you still might carry forward to this day from, from that experience? Yeah, you know, uh, the Army War College, and I know you've been up there, is in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I was very fortunate of the 300 and roughly 30, I think it was, students there. There were 13 of us in a program called the Advanced Strategic Arts Program. Ten Army officers, uh, an officer from the Air Force, uh, one from the Navy, and then myself from the Marine Corps. And um, really the focus for us uh, was to... Uh, examine uh, some of the issues attendant to what we kind of generally call strategic leadership. And as a result, we got to travel uh, literally the world uh, uh, with a combination of activities that uh, I, I think were very influential. And uh, we would, uh, for instance, we, we uh, use in the, the military parlance, we, we conducted staff rides, and uh, one of which was uh, to D.C., Washington, D.C., and we got to meet with the congressmen and senators and the professional uh, staff uh, of various committees, most notably the House and uh, Senate Armed Services Committee. And so <clears throat> through that, uh, uh, that experience, uh, we were able to appreciate um, uh, the issues that are involved with providing the strategic leadership, if you will, the vision uh, from which both the DOD and, and, and of course, uh, the military services uh, operate in this collaborative sort of environment. Um, and, you know, in my time in the Marine Corps, the, the 25 years that I spent there, I saw some, some major changes. We came out of Vietnam, and... Uh, and had almost a, a, a rebirth of uh, uh, what we were about and, and what we should uh, uh, do in, in terms of organization and, and equipment and um, uh, education and training uh, of uh, our force. And, um, and, and we see that almost culmination of, of those efforts uh, by some very good strategic leaders in all the services in, in Desert Storm. Um, and then later in Iraqi freedom and enduring freedom. Well, Joe, we're going to come right back, so don't go away with all of the wonderful stories I know you have to share. And this is Leadership Development News, so come right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066.
Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers, listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel, Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Today we're talking with Joe Dowdy, Chief of Staff of the Office of the Director at NASA, the John F. Kennedy Space Center. And, Joe, we were wondering um, just about your work at the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, how does that influence future leaders in the space program? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I think what uh, I probably need to begin at the beginning in terms of my involvement with NASA. Okay. Uh, I was an undergraduate uh, uh, studies. I uh, was a history and political science major, which for most people, including myself, uh, three or four years ago, would think, wow, what, what would you have to do with a high-tech organization like NASA? But, um, you know, what's important in any organization, certainly something like the Marine Corps or, or uh, Enduring Friendships. And uh, I went to college at Ole Miss, as, as you all had mentioned before, and graduated in 1979, was commissioned with a number of folks, and we've stayed very close over the years. One of those uh, uh, gentlemen that I was commissioned with is a guy named Bill Parsons. And uh, Bill and I became infantry officers. He had an engineering degree from Ole Miss and uh, got out after his initial commitment of four years and ultimately went to work for NASA. And as I stated earlier, we stayed in close contact. And uh, after the Columbia accident in uh, February of 2003, he was the director of the Stennis Space Center, one of the ten NASA centers throughout the country. It's on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, right on the Louisiana border, on the Pearl River. And um, he uh, went over and took over the space shuttle program as the program manager and what was called the return to flight following that uh, tragic accident. And, again, we stayed in close contact, and uh, uh, we would discuss both personal and professional sort of things over the years in terms of leadership and how one views their role in an organization. So we had this very rich uh, dialogue over the years. And um, uh, the return to flight post-Columbia was in the summer of 2005. And um, he, uh, unbeknownst to me, was up in Washington, D.C., at the end of August of uh, 2005, negotiating with the administrator of NASA, Dr. Mike Griffin, what his next assignment following that two and a half years of really uh, day on, stay on uh, kind of work to uh, get uh, the shuttle program back to flight. 
and then Contreda c- comes uh, into the Gulf and ultimately passes over the top of Stennis Space Center and uh, affects, as we all know, uh, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana Gulf Coast, and the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I received a phone call right after the storm, uh, actually an email from Bill, said, uh, Joe, I'm going back uh, to Stennis and take over as a senior NASA official in charge of disaster recovery, uh, and I need an advisor. Would you be my advisor? And I answered him, yes. And I was already retired from the Marine Corps and uh, doing some work on my own as a, a consultant uh, with some leadership, uh, um, you know, uh, some folks uh, working in, in the organizational development world. And, um, and I said, yes. And he called me the next morning. He said, are you sure? Will you do it? And I said, absolutely. And uh, I said, where do you need me and when? He said, I need you in Huntsville, Alabama tomorrow. And I said, okay. And uh, so my wife and I, we lived in San Diego, or actually northern San Diego County, a place called Carlsbad. And uh, we've gone through this drill before, and so she helps me load up my sea bag with the uh, clothes, and, and, uh, and then I make uh, airplane arrangements. And, you know, you just can't quite get to Huntsville, Alabama from San Diego very easily. And uh, so I had this long roundabout trip, one of which uh, took me through uh, Cincinnati, which is a hub for that particular airline. And as we took off and were flying uh, down to our next stop, uh, they lose an engine on the airplane. Mm. Pilot comes up and says, uh, we're going to make a precautionary landing in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, so we land there. I take my clothes off, and the next day I'm at Stennis Space Center with Bill Parsons and uh, walk into this disaster. And uh, so Bill ultimately takes over, pretty quickly actually, uh, takes over as the center director, uh, returns as the center director, and uh, we go into uh, really almost uh, the combat mode. Uh, I kind of take over in, in essence as his chief of staff, his operations officer in the military language, and uh, we start organizing this wonderful organization called the Stennis Space Center down there on the Mississippi Gulf Coast to recover from that storm. And um, it was uh, fascinating, uh, you know, uh, the, the things that go into um, an organization as they've suffered a uh, disaster of that magnitude and to uh, get folks back on their feet, but also uh, to kind of balance uh, the personal, um, you know, concerns for each individual, their housing, their families, and the, the very important mission that they do at Stennis, which in this case is testing all the rocket engines, uh, both for the shuttle and our expendable launch vehicles that send satellites to space. And then uh, to finish this up, uh, he leaves about uh, six months later to be the uh, deputy director of uh, Kennedy Space Center. And uh, I continue on at Stennis for about a year total. And then when he became, uh, it was announced that he was going to become the uh, center director, he asked me to come be his chief of staff. And I tell you, it was the best move I ever made. Joe, as you're talking, it seems to me that a lot of your military experience uh, as a leader uh, supported your current role. Do you do you feel the same way? I do. You know, uh, it might sound a little trite, but I, I believe it to, to be true that leadership principles uh, and traits are somewhat universal, and um, and so um, you know coming into an organization like NASA uh, wasn't as big a, a step as maybe one might think. Um, in fact, uh, some of the parallels between NASA and and the Marine Corps are pretty striking. Um, you know, if you, you talk about the Marine Corps, you talk about a sense of duty, a uh, sense of purpose, service over one's self-interest. Uh, those sorts of things. And I find that uh, here at NASA, there's that sim- similar spirit that exists uh, that animates our actions here. Uh, certainly, uh, NASA believes that they're a, public, uh, they're a steward of the public trust and money, uh, and they go about uh, their business with that in mind. And uh, one of the great things, by the way, that I love about NASA, a lot of probably the, the perception of NASA is, are engineers and scientists uh, exclusively. Uh, but uh, I love the fact that uh, here at the Kennedy Space Center, there's room under the tent for everyone. Uh, you know, we have uh, uh, educators uh, doing the, the uh, educational outreach to, to schools and school children to, 
to inspire the next generation to, to do the very important things that any great nation must do, to look beyond uh, uh, the horizon, to explore, and to go where people haven't gone before. Uh, there are, uh, you know, financiers, you know, our budget people, and, and uh, there's room under the tent for everyone, and I just uh, love that, that, that fact uh, and that uh, aspect of uh, being a, a part of the NASA team. So, Joe, I know we're going to get into some of the questions about the leadership at the Kennedy Space Center, mm-hmm. but just a story you told prior about kind of coming in and doing crisis management. You know, what would you, let's say for some of our listeners who are leaders, what's maybe the top three or four steps that someone should do if there's a crisis and you get called in like you did, you know, around, um, you know, with the hurricane and, and going to the Space Center? What, you know, as you're, from a strategy standpoint, what are the, the top three or four things that someone's got to do? Well, you know, one of one of the things that's vitally important, and certainly is near and dear to me, that that I came uh, from the Marine Corps with, and, and certainly they use the same language within NASA, is this idea of situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I don't believe that situational awareness in any organization is really enough. Um, I believe that any organization, any leader within an organization, needs to try to achieve some level of situational understanding. And, and what I mean, I used to use uh, two examples, uh, historic examples, when I was in the Marine Corps to, to try to illustrate that point when I was a regimental commander before we went in combat, for instance, uh, RCT, or Regimental Combat Team 1, as we drove up towards Baghdad in 2003. Is in the historic examples I'd use was the Bocage country of uh, uh, Normandy in 1944, the Hedgerow country. And as the Allies uh, made those uh, landings at Omaha, Utah Beach, um, they ran into the hedgerow country. Now, they were perfectly aware of it. They talked about it in their planning, but they did not understand the tactical and operational implications of this hedgerow country, and as a result, they were stuck in there, stuck in there at, uh, uh, with a great loss of, uh, uh, of equipment and treasure, but more, most importantly, of men and, 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 and casualties and, and, and deaths and, and things that you can't recover. And uh, were they aware of it? Absolutely. Just didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. second example I used was Operation Northern uh, Watch uh, in place after uh, Desert Storm. Um, I think it was like 1994, 95. Two Black Hawk, U.S. Army Black Hawk helicopters are flying um, in support of that operation. For some reason, uh, they weren't squawking or, or transmitting the right identify friend or foe code, uh, AWACS, flying on patrol up there, sees these two helicopters, tells two F-15s to go check out these two potential enemy helicopters. Uh, they fly literally over the top of them, do a visual identification of what they thought were Iraqi helicopters, which was a no-fly zone, and then the rules of engagement could shoot them down. They, in fact, turned around and shot both of these helicopters down, and almost 30 Americans lost their lives. Were they aware of two helicopters? Absolutely didn't understand it. And then the final example, the best one, was here at NASA. Um, an engineer was talking about uh, the Columbia accident, and he said, we were perfectly, these are his exact words, we were perfectly aware of the foam coming off and striking the orbit or almost every launch. We didn't understand what it meant. And as a result, we lost that. So when you go into crisis, um, uh, you know, situations, certainly this, to try to achieve this the greater level of awareness to to the point where it's called understanding. And so as we walked in that night, in, in our case, uh, Bill Parsons and I, and joined uh, what passed as a staff meeting, uh, there were a lot of folks in there, um, you know, uh, in part talking about the things that someone ought to do, but there was no, no unifying uh, force uh, at that moment that would say, okay, go do this. This is how it relates to uh, this other activity, and here's our priorities, and those kind of what we might all say are just very basic or elementary staff functions. Certainly leadership functions were absent. And I just had to be candid about this. Uh, Bill Parsons, who is known as a very decisive leader, uh, actually took charge and um, uh, before he was announced as a center director, but he, he had to act then and is really a communications vacuum. Um, you know, so he couldn't go back to higher headquarters uh, and uh, NASA headquarters in Washington and say, "Can I, Mother, may I?" He just took charge, mm-hmm. and the, so the next morning uh, I came in and uh, 
after we discussed it in some detail. And uh, just put simple things like functional areas, you know, logistics and medical and facilities and all those sorts of things. And we started that process rather quickly to uh, gain control, to understand uh, what needed to be done uh, first. Um, and, and Bill articulated very, very clearly, uh, you know, the objectives, uh, and short-term objectives of what we were going to do, protect the workforce, look out for their needs, and uh, bring up uh, mission-critical infrastructure that would support the space program. And as a result, uh, you know, we were doing a test firing uh, of a space shuttle main engine uh, within uh, about three weeks after uh, this storm, this just uh, tremendous storm that we all know about in, in the form of Katrina, had passed through that area. So, Joe, let me, we're going to go to break in a second, but let me just kind of summarize. So in this situation, it sounds like the situational awareness, not only awareness but understanding of what all the dynamics, being decisive, uh, having an objective, having a structure of what needs to be done, and then you were also talking about the communication piece. Well, that, that yeah, exactly. And I would like to say one other thing about that communication. Certainly there was that communication that was required to go to, uh, you know, up to higher headquarters. But, but more importantly was that communication that uh, Bill had with his subordinate right. leaders in, 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 in articulating, um, and not in a dictatorial fashion by any means, because he recognized, as, as I do, that there were folks that are on the ground in uh, those particular areas that have the good ideas, that know what need to be done. And so he encouraged that communication back from his subordinates, you know, on uh, various aspects of our operations down there, communicated back or listened to that communication back on, on, the, on the individuals, uh, the employees, uh, the teammates, if you will, of the Stennis Space Center and what their unique needs were. Joe, we're going to go to a break, so we're going to just uh, take a, a quick pause here. And you're listening to Leadership Development News, and we're talking to Joe Dowdy from NASA's Kennedy Space Center. So come right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. 
Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher, but without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're continuing our conversation with Joe Dowdy, Chief of Staff of the Office of the Director of NASA, the John F. Kennedy Space Center. Uh, and, Joe, let's kind of talk more about some of the, what you think some of the key character traits you feel are most important um, and critical to success as a leader at the Kennedy Space Center. What would you say are the key traits, key factors? Well, you know, I, I, I love that question uh, because it's it's you know forms the basis of what we want to do. You know, kind of using a term I think that's popular certainly in some areas is what we believe to be the KSC brand of leadership. Uh-huh. You know, that what, what we place up on that proverbial pedestal right. as the the ideal leader. And uh, what what I've uh, had the, the great uh, honor to be involved with is is uh, developing uh, uh, those. Uh, that ideal leader uh, in the minds of of our folks here uh, at the Kennedy Space Center, and what I've reached back to was uh, uh, what we learned uh, learned in a very early age uh, when I started my involvement with the Marine Corps is leadership traits and principles um, that seem you know kind of simple, uh, but you know in terms of the Marine Corps they've been effective. Uh, you know our history speaks for itself, and and. Um, you know, when I look at these uh, leadership traits and, and principles, you know, there, there are uh, none that necessarily stick out to me, uh, you know, as, as um, superior over another, but rather it's this, this whole woman or whole man concept that they're imbued with all these traits. And, and uh, you know, from dependability, um, you know, the certainty of uh, proper performance of duty to courage, uh, really for NASA, um, I believe it's not mo- so much the physical courage part like you would see in the Marine Corps, but the moral courage to to um, uh, stand up in in, in the uh, you know maybe in the possible light of uh, criticism, but uh, you uh, uh, proceed in the face of it with calmness and, and firmness. Uh, we we really hold that um, uh, as a as a top uh, trait of any of our leaders or any member of NASA, particularly after the Columbia accident, is uh, we, we welcome dissent. Uh, you know, one of the lessons learned from the Columbia accident was there were folks who had dissenting opinions. But at some point, of course, the leader has to hear those dissenting opinions. They have to be aired, if you will. And then, and then at some point, a decision is made, and we go together uh, in, in the spirit of gung-ho. And, and for any of you, uh, gung-ho has been known uh, as something that it really was intended. It really means uh, the best translation to me from the Chinese is um, pull together in harmony. Hmm. And, um, you know, decisiveness, enthusiasm, um, initiative, integrity, judgment, uh, certainly knowledge, uh, tact. And that goes back to, you know, these opinions. We do so in a very respectful manner. Uh, Unselfishness, you know, avoiding... Uh, providing for your own comfort and personal advancement at the expense of others, uh, loyalty, you know, this quality of faithfulness, um, and a vision, you know, the, you know, uh, the act or power of imagination, innovation, finding new ideas, methods, or devices to meet the requirements of any organization, um, and 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 it does, it's not the sole domain of the strategic leader to provide vision, you know, leaders at all levels. Uh, can provide this vision. 
And then, you know, principles that we pulled, uh, really I pulled from the Marine Corps, um, is I learned a long time ago, uh, if you don't violate any principles, it's all technique. And some of the principles I'm talking about is know yourself and seek self-improvement, be technically proficient, uh, set the example, uh, make sound and timely decisions, train your subordinates as a team, uh, respectfully share and listen to issues and concerns from others, so support decisions once they are made are some of those principles. How you do that is technique, but don't fail to do that is what I tell our young leaders. Uh, be mindful of the principles. Uh, uh, look for techniques and develop your own techniques. Just don't violate those. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here at the, the Kennedy Space Center, we have uh, really started looking. Uh, let me just digress for a second. One of the, the great and pleasant surprises I had as I started my involvement with NASA is uh, the premium that is placed on, on good leadership, uh, on these on, on traits and principles and, and providing uh, all those things to our subordinates. Uh, you know, I guess I'd probably had a cynic's view of, you know, federal service or government service. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised at the premium that's placed on leadership and uh, the tension that's placed on it uh, within NASA. And, and they've kind of put their money where their mouth is in the sense that, uh, um, you know, folks are sent off to uh, leadership development courses and, and things like that. And so I kind of reached back into my experience. Uh, about 1987, 1988, a commandant of the Marine Corps came in, a brand-new commandant, a general named Al Gray. And Al Gray was one of the most influential uh, commandants uh, in modern history. All of them have been very good, of course. Uh, they're Marines, after all. And uh, he developed, which I didn't understand, I was a young captain, the Marine Corps University. And I didn't get it. And uh, But I get it now. Over time, I got it. And basically what he did was uh, tie all the professional training and education together under a common uh, banner, if you will, uh, to develop our leaders from, in the case of the officers, from the brand-new second lieutenant fresh out of college and commissioned all the way up to colonel and general officer in this uh, wonderful education and training. And I break out the two. You know, as a second lieutenant, most of my uh, experience in, you know, as a, the initial student before I went out to that rifle platoon was training, you know, how to take a machine gun apart, how to employ it. And then the education part was maybe the principles of war and some of the tactics and things like that. But as I went up that education ladder, um, that training um, took a, a backseat to really education. So by the time I'm at the Army War College, it's, uh, you know, uh, study of uh, the great military philosophers and, and uh, uh, battles and things like that. So it's more of the education than just strictly rote training mm. and uh, rote memorization and training. But um, So we're, we're trying to apply that here, and, and we're, we've made some, some uh, very good and, and interesting uh, uh, progress in this, and we want to serve, uh, have our leadership traits and principles, this KSC brand of leadership, to form the basis of, um, of this uh, education uh, program we're calling KSC University. The other uh, foundation piece is uh, history and traditions. We have a very rich history in NASA and some uh, goodly amount of traditions, and then a self-directed uh, reading program. So when you uh, talk about all these um, these traits and these these principles, when when you uh, arrived uh, at the Kennedy Space Center, did they have a, a university in mind, or was this uh, kind of a brainchild of yours? Well, I, you know, I, at the at the risk of sounding, uh, you know, uh, like I'm uh, tooting my own horn, it was it was my idea in the sense of I brought the Marine Corps' idea to KSC. What I saw <clears throat> was a, a variety of, of uh, programs, um, classes, uh, all with great intentions, but it really decentralized without a common set of objectives, without a vision, if you will, of kind of an end state of at the end of the figurative day, what do we want the leaders uh, of KSC to look like? And, uh, and, and so as a result, um, you would find some of these, these training programs, what I call our organic training programs, not the things outside of 
Kennedy Space Center. We have 15,000 folks here. You know, so it's not an insignificant uh, number, uh, population of folks that we want to reach. And so, um, and, and what you see in these kind of things, and I'm sure you all have seen it in your experience, is that uh, these can atrophy. Uh, they might lose their relevancy. Uh, and, and so, um, also, what's important to understand, I believe, is that NASA, from its early days, was set up uh, with a relatively small civil service workforce, you know, the NASA employee, which is like me. Here at the Kennedy Space Center, yes, we have 15,000 roughly folks, but only 2,100 or thereabouts, 2,109 to be exact, are uh, civil service. The rest of them are contractors. And, and, and so <clears throat> um, uh, in that environment, this is my, my uh, assessment, is if you have a job that needs to be done, um, the first thing is that, okay, we need to go get a contractor to do this. And in very simple terms, I saw, yes, we are placing a, a, a premium on good leadership. And we want our leaders to be as best, the best and most effective leaders they can be. Let's contract out and send them out somewhere. Let's send them to, you know, the various training courses uh, that exist throughout the country. Not that those aren't good, but there's always that, I believe it's an age-old problem. You send some young folk, let's say in this case, to an external course, and they come back with all these, uh, you know, new ideas and new skills perhaps, and they're ready to employ them. And if we haven't paid attention as leaders, we might unconsciously uh, stymie uh, their, uh, or blunt their growth. Um, you know, we haven't been through that course. We haven't spent a lot of time paying attention to what they were doing there, and then they come back in their organization. So using an overused term, I wanted to see us here at the Kennedy Space Center as much as possible to take charge of our own leadership development course and get that attention. Uh, some of the benefits that are derived from that is that leaders then really examine what we're doing what we uh, and participate in, in developing their leaders in a much uh, more aggressive fashion than we might have otherwise had. Joe, we're going to have to go to a break, and then we'll come we'll come right okay. back, and we'll talk more about the uh, KSC University sure. and how do you how do you embed that in a, in a place like the Kennedy Space Center? Okay, leadership development news, and we'll be right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one -one executive coaching, group training, 
and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rock-a-bye, baby, by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science. But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're speaking to Joe Dowdy. And he's the chief of staff in the uh, uh, NASA Kennedy Space Center. And we've been talking about leadership development. And, Joe, specifically, we've been uh, discussing how you brought the idea of a Kennedy Space Center University to an already existing, and I'd say uh, very well-known and very well-established organization known as NASA. So what do you feel is the key uh, to getting leadership programs like this embedded in a highly successful uh, and existing place like NASA to support higher performance on the ground and in orbit? Well, you know, that's a great question, Kathy, of course. And, and, and you know, what we were describing before the break is uh, conceptually, you know, a KSC university and, and the importance of that. Um, and, and like many things, the concept is relatively easily easy to articulate. It's the execution that's always uh, much more difficult. One of the techniques that uh, uh, I've used with our organizational development uh, folks and they, and they they were employing is, uh, you know, seems simple, but I believe is effective, is to go out and ask our senior leaders and, and others, uh, and their subordinates, if you will, you know, what do you think? What do you think? And, uh, uh, you know, we've gotten some very good and rich feedback uh, on what they think. One of the other techniques I've used, and, and I, I mentioned it briefly before, is a self-directed reading program, uh, something that General Gray had instituted uh, back in the late 80s um, in the Marine Corps. And, um, and so I've gone out and asked some senior leaders and a number of folks, um, uh, just kind of created some general categories of leadership and, and citizenship and uh, engineering projects and things like that. What do you think? What do you think are some candidates uh, in that self-directed uh, reading program in terms of books? And, and and so, what I've tried to do, and I'm and I'm not naturally patient, uh, is I've I've had to exercise a, a lot of patience and and allow folks to think through this. And develop uh, the sense of ownership uh, that this KSC University is not Joe Dowdy imposing this or or our director imposing this, but it but it wells up um, from within the organization that they understand and see and then are committed to the value of this. So I really our first step has been to take the number of courses that we uh, have existing and see uh, what their value is. And so we've kind of gone through a consolidation uh, period, if you will. Just we would consolidate some of these courses where there were major overlaps. Uh, we've rejected some and, and maintained some, and then and then um, uh, provided uh, folks with a sense of that's your responsibility now. And and so uh, as a consequence, we have a, a sense of accountability. And and so <clears throat> this has not been an overnight thing. Uh, we're not there yet, uh, but we're we're heading in the right direction. And so uh, among the many virtues I think that is involved with one of these things is patience and also um, 
uh, allowing folks to develop their own sense of ownership of this. You know, some of the um, things that I believe are important uh, and will be ser- uh, the, uh, the center will be served by this university is we want to build leaders who build leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we want to foster a learning culture. I think. I believe that the uh, self-directed reading program uh, is really, that's the real intent of that, is that you build uh, a learning culture, um, that you understand that, um, well, one of the things I say to folks around here, what is the most sophisticated, I ask this question, what is the most sophisticated and complex thing that NASA has? And some people might tell you some the Cray computer out at Ames Research Center, uh, you know, this, that, the shuttle is a very complex piece of uh, machinery, but it's us. We are the most sophisticated and complex thing that NASA will ever have. And and as a result, uh, we, we need to be mindful of developing leaders and, and, and developing this culture of continuous learning and, and improvement. And, and so um, that's to me, very important and, and is served in, in large part by this uh, self-directed reading program. And certainly we want to uh, retain uh, this very capable uh, workforce and their, uh, you know, uh, resident knowledge and wisdom. Um, you know, I just have to be frank with you. Um, organizations like NASA often, certainly the Marine Corps, doesn't make good business sense sometimes. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of these very capable engineers and professionals that we have here can make a lot more money somewhere else. And, and, and so we need to retain that knowledge and that wisdom that's inherent in this very capable workforce. And then finally, uh, we want to develop, as I've mentioned a couple times before, this KSC uh, brand of leadership. And, and so, um, you know, towards that end, we're working. Uh, but patience is a virtue in this, and develop that ownership as opposed to the dictatorial method very rarely works. And, and so, the, I mean, the dictatorial method, certainly the sense of ownership does. Well, and you're bringing up some good concepts that Kathy and I always talk about. You know, so you're talking about even, in, in, you know, with the Marine Corps, your experience, and with NASA, you've got to get people involved. And, and so really coming from their interests and coming from what they want. And then, then you have involvement equals commitment, you know, then they're committed versus the top down. So it's interesting to hear you say that even in, even in hierarchical organizations like you're in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, part of my leadership philosophy that I developed over time, but I think I learned it when I was a second lieutenant and I've just, you know, um, uh, refined it over time, uh, is this, uh, in fact, when I was a battalion commander and then uh, later as a regimental commander, you know, get the brand-new second lieutenants come in and they'd come do an in call with me, and and uh, one of the things uh, that I would uh, tell them, among many, but um, uh, well, not many, just just a few nuggets uh, from my perspective, was uh, the most important question you can ever ask of your men is, "What do you think?" But you need to be prepared for the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I would give them an example, say. You're talking to your squad leaders, your second lieutenant squad leaders, and you say, hey, we're going out uh, in the field next week. Uh, what do you think we need to work on? And one of your squad leaders, you know, I'll just be a little out there on this, but to illustrate the point, he said, uh, hey, sir, you know, in case we lose our uniforms in combat, maybe we ought to train in boxer shorts. And then you go, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Uh, how about what, who's next? Well, you're never going to hear an right. honest answer again. Yeah. So you got to be prepared for the answer. And, and so as I went through that, one lieutenant <clears throat> said to me, uh, sir, what happens uh, if we're in combat and we have a very hazardous mission? And, uh, and I ask them what they, what they think, and they all go, no way do we want to do this because we're going to have uh, heavy casualties potentially and so on and so forth. And then the way I answered that was, that's not when you ask the question. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if, you, if, if you're, in this case, your Marines believe they have a vested interest in the success or failure of that organization, they'll give their life for it. And in the same way here at the Kennedy Space Center with our leaders, if they believe your subordinates have a vested interest in the success or failure of that part of your organization, we don't want them to give their life for it, but we want them to give their all. And and, and so uh, I, I believe this is vitally important uh, is to, uh, you know, 
throw away any of your dictatorial uh, techniques and and really, uh, um, you know, bring in uh, other people's ideas and things like that. And once they buy in and believe that they have that vested interest in that organization, there will be those times when you have to be very decisive. You don't have time to, uh, you know, explore other options, um, and, 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 and they'll be behind you. So I just want to make sure that our audience knows how to reach you. Uh, so I'm going to give out your email, if sure. that's okay, and that's joe.d.dowdy, D-O-W-D-Y, at nasa.gov. Again, that's, that's exactly right. joe.d.dowdy at nasa.gov. But, you know, just if I could, just to finish up this KSC University, we, as a result of that, we have a couple of uh, leadership development courses that are about a year long. Uh, Kathy, you met some of those up at uh, uh, Bentonville when we were doing the case study on the Columbia accident, visiting with the senior executives uh, of Walmart. And uh, we've done some very interesting things uh, with them, including uh, uh, taking them on a staff ride where we studied a Civil War battlefield, in this case, uh, Gettysburg. Uh, for uh, two and a half days on the battlefield to really cement uh, uh, these leadership traits and principles and concepts around leadership using a uh, Civil War battlefield uh, as a vehicle that uh, we're very proud of uh, of that effort that uh, this was our second year in a row. I think it's kind of unique, uh, uh, this experiential uh, sort of uh, technique. Well, Joe, this has, been, this has been fascinating to see some of the, first, your excitement around leadership, your long history in being a leader, and then now what you bring into uh, NASA, you know, in the Kennedy Space Center. Um, so we're at the end of the show. Thank you very much, Joe. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for inviting me. And this has been Leadership Development News. Uh, tune in again next week, and uh, thanks for listening. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.